It is Friday, June 30th, 2023, and welcome to episode 238 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jamil Jaffer, NSI's executive director and founder, and I'm joined by Lester Munson, NSI senior fellow and former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and Morgan Vigna, also an NSI senior fellow and the former chief of staff to the UN ambassador. Today, we're talking about Latin America and China's influence in Latin America. What happened recently, just a couple of days ago, a significant candidate for the presidency of Guatemala said that 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 country needs to work on their trade relations and expand them in the case of China. Now, Guatemala is Central America's most populous country and for decades has been a supporter of Taiwan. They've actually had diplomatic relations with Taiwan. Interestingly, this comes on the heels just a few months after Honduras shifted its recognition from Taiwan to mainland China, one of only 12 countries remaining in the world, including the Vatican, that continues to to to, uh, to recognize Taiwan and not mainland China. So it appears to be a series of dominoes falling across Central and South America, all of Latin America, uh, moving in the direction of the Chinese. We also have seen Brazil, uh, part of the so-called BRICS countries, considering now substituting the dollar for the Chinese yuan, And in a lot of ways, this demonstrates a larger trend of nations in the global south trending towards China and away from the United States. So this is a concern globally for the United States, as we can imagine, but in particular in our own hemisphere, as we start to see these these, uh, events happen, an area that we've spent a lot of time and a lot of investment of money and effort, and at times, yes, military efforts in those countries uh, to keep them aligned with the United States. This is obviously a major concern. Morgan, what do you think we should do about all this stuff? Thanks, Jamil. So, look, Guatemala is a symptom of a broader and, frankly, more problematic trend that we've seen in Latin America. Chinese interests in the Western Hem are largely similar to, to Sub-Saharan Africa in that security, trade, and diplomacy are their primary interests. On the security in particular, look, Western Hem, it's America's backyard. It's a strategic location. Southcom commander has noted that you know, China would love to have a robust military presence there, whether that be a base or otherwise. On, on trade, look, since 2020, China has been Latin America's largest trading partner. And on diplomacy, between 2018 and 2021, Latin, uh, we've seen a slew of countries in uh, the Western Hem, and specifically the Caribbean, reverse their recognition of Taiwan because of Chinese pressure. Um, and this is, of course, what we're seeing with Guatemala. Look, at man, so, it's obviously a big problem. But, but less. I mean, do you think this – is this a problem just isolated to Latin America? And if it, if it isn't isolated to Latin America, as Morgan lays out – should we be more concerned about it here in our own hemisphere? Well, I think we should be more concerned about what ha- what's happening in Latin America because this is our hemisphere. This is our yeah. neighborhood. This is where we really can't tolerate uh, the presence of another global power, particularly in, in the security sphere. I've got some concerns about uh, some of the stuff on the currency and uh, Chinese banks making inroads into places where uh, it really should be uh, uh, dominated by the dollar and and things uh, that are that are native to the Western Hemisphere. I don't like the idea of corrupt Chinese banks moving into into our zone. Um, but th- the real concern ought to be on the security front. Uh, we talked yeah. a little bit a couple of weeks ago about these monitoring bases in Cuba. That should be a red line for the administration. That's totally unacceptable. The idea that China is even even with the you know communist nation of Cuba that is that is going way too far. 
I think when it comes to diplomatic recognition of China versus Taiwan, it's probably inevitable that almost all countries are going to end up with China. The United States went there 44 years ago. So um, it's that's just some of that's just facing reality. What we ought to do is be working with Latin America countries on a more nuanced approach, recognize Beijing, but still have strong ties to Taiwan, which is what we're trying to do. The way we have. Yeah. So let's let's some of this red line that you laid out, um, a red line on a Chinese spy base in Cuba. Um, I mean, what would we do? We're not going to invade Cuba. We're not going to uh, launch a launch a military uh, threat against against the Chinese spy base. There, what what can we possibly do to to enforce the red line you would draw? So it's not just Cuba, of course. Cuba relies yeah. on its relationships with other countries in the region, notably Venezuela. Venezuela. Uh, so yeah. so so we sh- we need to be paying more attention to Venezuela. Frankly, the the U.S. This goes across multiple administrations has been ignoring Latin America, relatively speaking, more than it should. This probably goes back to the Bush administration. The last twenty years, we've spent uh, an inordinate amount of time focused on the war on terror and neglecting our backyard. You said we invested a lot of resources in Latin America. I disagree. Relatively speaking, it was very few resources. We need to do better hmm. with our neighbors. We need to be meeting them where they are. We need to be realistic about their economic needs, and we need to be supplying them with the tools that they need to resist uh, these more nefarious parts of what China's doing. Yeah, I just add on to that. I mean, I agree with everything Wes said, but I'll also note that when U.S. officials meet with their Latin American counterparts, their top message is always that China's bad, and they always try to discourage these countries and officials from doing business with Beijing. Right. When the Chinese meet their counterparts, they talk about the future and economic and trade opportunities that mm. the, 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 the two partners share, right? And so I think the United States needs to sort of change the narrative, be more competitive uh, to regain our credibility and the way we do business. But it's, it's changing the narrative and actually providing uh, concrete alternatives to China. So, Morgan, I want to ask you about, so I think that's a really interesting thought, and I'm surprised that we don't actually provide an alternative. I mean, I, I get it. I, I think we should take China bad, uh, but you're right. We have to provide a positive side to it, too. But let me ask you this. In the Trump administration, you served in the administration. Um, they were very aggressive against Venezuela, right? After Maduro took power, uh, there was a real effort to put pressure on. It didn't, mm-hmm. um, and Maduro took power long before, right? But there was a significant effort to put pressure on, on Venezuela. It, it didn't seem to work. Nothing seemed to really work. Can we really, and this is, you know, decades of a failed Cuba policy, um, one that I supported, by the way, but it ultimately didn't didn't result in anything. Um, can we really achieve these goals without the, the potential, the legitimate threat of military force, which we've never wanted to use, whether it comes to Cuba or, or Venezuela? <laughs> it's actually interesting that you raise that, um, the, the, the military force side of the house, because that, that was under uh, consideration. Um, at one point by the Trump administration with respect to Venezuela. Um, I'm not going to go further into that. Um, But what I will say is that, look, U.S. support for the opposition in uh, in Venezuela was significant during the Trump administration. Unfortunately, that momentum died. Um, I think a lot of that um, sadly had to do with, uh, with, with the opposition, the support that the opposition was able to, um, to garner, but within, within Venezuela at the same time too, the United States, uh, could have done a better job, um, in, in rallying behind, uh, the, the Venezuelan opposition. Well, there you have it, folks. Military force in Venezuela, potentially down the road. And that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Alcon and Angela Angione from NSI and Claude Jennings for the help producing today's episode. Big news. As we did last year, the traditional three times a week Fault Lines series will be taking a hiatus this summer until Labor Day. In the meantime, Fault Lines will host a Summer of AI weekly podcast series that will help you get smart fast on AI technology and the key national security issues 
facing America in that domain. Fault is also now up on YouTube, so check out our podcast video on NSI's YouTube page. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the new Summer of AI Fault Line series goes live July 12th.